Welcome to MBA Podcaster, the only broadcast source for cutting-edge information and advice on the MBA application process. I'm Janet Nakano. Application deadlines for many business schools are just around the corner. As a countdown begins, we'll learn how to best plan out the months, weeks, and days before you hit submit. We'll talk about when you should approach your recommenders, if it's too late to study for the GMAT, where you should be in the essay writing process, and you'll also learn about the common mistakes applicants make when pressed to meet the deadline. This time, we'll hear from three MBA admissions consultants. This is MBA Podcaster. Stay tuned to the rest of the program after a brief word from our sponsor. Support for MBA Podcaster comes from Manhattan GMAT, the world's largest GMAT-exclusive test preparation provider. Developed by Ivy League education professionals and continually updated to reflect current trends, Manhattan GMAT's advanced curriculum goes beyond teaching the tricks and focuses on in-depth content understanding in addition to GMAT-specific strategy. All programs are taught by highly trained and experienced instructors with GMAT scores in the 99th percentile, a 760 or better out of 800. Visit manhattangmat.com/mbapodcaster to explore program. Options, including comprehensive nine-session courses, private tutoring, one-day workshops, and a two-week intensive boot camp. MBA podcaster listeners will receive a $100 discount on Manhattan GMAT programs by using the code Podcaster when enrolling for a complete course. Visit manhattangmat.com/mbapodcaster to enroll and receive your discount. Manhattan GMAT, the new standard in GMAT preparation. There's just about two months left before second round deadlines at a lot of business schools. That means you have no time to waste. Omari Bachnight and Scott Strom are co-founders of MBA Game Plan, an essay consulting service. Bachnight says you have a better chance of getting in if you shoot for round two. You hate ever recommending that someone scrambles to put together an application together just because it's such an intricate process, but. The reality is, is that round three for most schools, you know, some schools have four rounds, and so round three isn't as difficult. But for the majority of schools, round three is a hail mary to get into a school. At that point in time, schools have up to ninety percent of their seats already occupied, so you're really jockeying for a very small number of admits. And so, if you wait till the third round, you are really, really reducing your Your chances of getting in. So, you know, if you have a relatively solid application in place and it's just a few more hours to get it across the, the finish line, then I would definitely recommend taking the extra steps to getting it in round two versus going into round three, where your your chances really get reduced even before your application hits the admissions committee's doorstep. Ideally, by now you'll want to have your application in order, says Bach Knight. Have your target schools selected and also have rough drafts of your essays. And Scott Strom says that about one month prior. By this point, you should、uh, all of your essays should at least be in a pretty good framework. You know, you're not. We're not talking final drafts, but by this point, all of our essays should have their kind of their size and shape, at the very least, spec'd out.、Uh, one of the best things I think a, an essay writer can do, an applicant can do, is write those essays, do a couple of iterations of edits, then put it aside for as long as say a week or ten days. Then come back and take a look at it. It's funny how when you come back with a fresh pair of eyes after just a week, it really is like a fresh pair of eyes. 
and you kind of look at the essay in a whole new light, and you realize, oh, what was I saying here? Oh, man, I had omitted something that was so important. So a month out, you should already be at the point where you're, you have the size and shape of it, but you want to have a little dwell time where you can just kind of let it sit and then come back to it a week later, 10 days later, and revisit it. And also, if you have, if you have someone who's a, a really good writer and knows you really, really well and that you trust, it's always a good idea to kind of have a similar approach where you have a fresh set of eyes on your essays. That way they can kind of call you out and say, you know, that really doesn't sound like you at all, or what about this experience or this aspect of your personality? I have always thought that was really interesting and a core part of who you are. And having someone who hasn't been caught up in the whole uh, circus of putting together an essay, take a look at it, uh, can be really helpful as well. It's never too late to put together well-written essays, says Gwen Smith, an admissions consultant with Veritas MBA. She says if you're having a hard time getting started, your first step is to get organized. The thing that works really well for a lot of applicants is to just develop an outline. Look at the questions that's being asked and make certain that you can come up with a few examples on how to answer that question and then start to flush through which example is actually the one that not only best answers the question, but speaks to your candidacy as a business school student at the same time. So think about, you know, what, what situations have I been involved in where, let's say the question was about provide us with a leadership example. What are the various organizations and events that I've, I've been involved in where I can talk about some of those some of those opportunities if the question is about the main question that uh, often comes up with MBA applications is what's your career vision what's your long short-term goals those are the staple questions and so the best way to tackle that is to just make sure that there is a clear path between your short-term goals and your long-term goals and be able to clearly articulate that uh, your long-term goal should be looked at as sort of a mathematical equation, and it should be the result of your short-term goal and your interests. So if somebody can think out five, ten years from now and say, okay, well, I know what I want to do long-term, it's usually correlated with their passion, then what do I need to do in the short-term meeting immediately after business school to prepare me for that, to provide me with those requisite skills and give me the foundations for success? in in both of those endeavors. So if somebody can sort of think in those terms, then um, it makes for a very, actually a great outline for the career goals essay. Writing creative essays can make you stand out if you do it well, says Smith. But if you're hesitant to take this route, she says it's best to keep your essay in an easy-to-read format. I think everyone has a unique style of writing, which is great. But I'm always of the mind that you know, when you start an essay, you should state the, the theme right up front, let the reader know what you're, what you're going to talk about, and just kind of guide them into that and then end off the essay, sort of tying it back to some of the stuff that you've highlighted at the very top. So it, it, it should be structured in a way that when it's being reviewed by a member of the admissions committee, it follows a logical path and, and it flows well and at the end of the day, it becomes an easy reference point for somebody on the admissions committee to then go back and say, okay, this is what this applicant is trying to say here or 
was saying here. Now, there are other applicants that like to write sort of in that story format. It doesn't work for a lot of people because you can lose yourself in that and just not always tie it back in, again, to your, to your candidacy. So I think that uh, just a more direct essay is, is the way to go. There's still time left to take the GMAT, says Scott Strum, but if you haven't started studying, it might be a stretch. Though that doesn't necessarily mean you can't score well, says Omari Bachnight. It really depends on the applicant. You know, I've met some applicants who've never looked at the GMAT before, study for a week, and score a 760. You know, that's not that's not the standard applicant, but those do those people do exist. So. You know, I'd recommend if it's two months out and you haven't taken the GMAT and you haven't even really thought about taking the GMAT, take a couple of diagnostics, see where you stand. If you're scoring in the 400s, then, you know, chances are you're probably not going to be able to get it all together to, to make it. Um, but, you know, there are those cases where people, without really even taking the exam, uh, can score pretty well. And I guess a, kind of a, a good way to judge whether or not you'll be able to do well on the exam without much prep or not is how you've performed on other standardized tests. So, you know, your SAT, ACT, if you scored really high on those exams, then you probably won't necessarily need as much prep as you will for the GMAT. If you scored on the lower side, then you really should be dedicating at least probably a couple months to preparing for the examination. And I'll just, I'll just add one more thought there. A lot of applicants, they'll... Uh, because of the way maybe they start late in the process or uh, maybe they took the GMAT, they weren't happy with their score, so they decided they want to study and retake it. Technically speaking, you can take the GMAT right up until the application deadline. It's, you know, it's uh, the score is submitted electronically. So as far as how soon or how late relative to the deadline you can take the GMAT, you can take it right up until the deadline. The problem is that if you're studying for the GMAT, if you're cramming it for it and you're trying to pull together your recommendations, you're trying to pull together solid essays, odds are that you're not going to do all of those very well. So you may pull off a 700 GMAT score three days before the application deadline, but odds are that you haven't been able to put enough time into your essays, and it'll show. As you gather all the pieces of your application, it's always a good idea to stay on top of things, like ordering your transcripts earlier rather than later, says Strum. And Bachnight says now's a good time to ask for those recommendations. You hear a lot of horror stories uh, from people who pursue recommendations towards the end of the period, and, the, and it ends up that the recommender either doesn't get it in in enough time or it's certainly not to the level that it should be. Two months, however, though, I think is, is enough time, depending on the recommender, if you have a lot of access to that person, where you can sit down and say, you know, here are my needs, here's my timeline, here's what I anticipate submitting. And this person is someone who's a, a relatively good writer, relatively insightful, and sort of knows about the application process. Two months, I think, is probably right around the, the cutoff of, of approaching someone, because you also don't want to be rude and approach someone at the last second and, and throw this on, on their table. I guess a, a rule of thumb is really give the recommender one month to, to prepare the recommendation. And one month really is, you know, enough time for them to really sit down, really digest what you've asked them to do, really take you into consideration, and really put together a nice recommendation for submission. Right. And I'll, I'll just echo especially one thing that Omari said there, which is Make sure that your recommender understands your timeline. Uh, sometimes people make the mistake of they, they ask the recommender for 
for a recommendation and that maybe they just go a few weeks without checking in and then they'll call their recommender maybe two days before the application and on, hey, where's my recommendation? The recommender forgot or the recommender didn't realize when it was needed. So make sure that they understand the timeline that you're working on. And in addition to a clear timeline, Strom says make sure your recommender is clear on what you need. Avoid what this previous applicant failed to do. Just recently we got a question from an applicant who had just that situation where I think he saw the recommendation simultaneously from when it was submitted to the school and it was written more, uh, unfortunately, either, I don't know if the applicant didn't prepare the recommender adequately, the recommender wasn't really following the rules, recommender maybe just wasn't familiar with the MBA application process, but the recommender is rather than writing a recommendation, you know, which is supposed to highlight your strengths and, and why you're, uh, you have the potential to succeed, it was written more of like a performance evaluation, so it had, had pros, but it also had cons and talked a lot about what the applicant needed to work on. And unfortunately, in this case, the applicant didn't even see that until the recommender had submitted it. And and like Omari said, a lot of that can be managed up front, making sure that the the recommender is clear on what what this is. This isn't a performance appraisal. It's It's a recommendation. You're trying to get into a top business school. I need you to highlight my strengths. These are the themes that I'm emphasizing in my application. These are the themes I would like you to focus on. Uh, here are some examples. Feel free to use them if you like. Yeah, we always talk about putting together a game plan for your application, which is to say that you really put together a full package about what your story is, why you're applying to these schools, and what these schools are really looking for. And by providing that to your recommender, you can sort of sidestep a lot of these issues that people run into where they end up getting a poor recommendation, which, by the way, can completely kill your application. Uh, so it should be avoided at all costs. Your resume is another important component to the application that should be as polished as your essays, says Gwen Smith. An applicant should think of that document as a, a tremendous marketing tool. So I would advise that if you're going to submit your resume, you should submit it in sort of a typical MBA format. A lot of folks tend to have a summary or an objective at the top of their page. This is great if you're looking for a job, but because you're looking for an opportunity to start a graduate business program, the thing that an admissions officer is going to be looking for is not so much your objective, but your experiences. So that's my first advice. Um, My second is a lot of applicants also tend to have their educational information at the very top of the page and then go on to experience. That is something that, again, needs to be moved down to below your experiences. It should not be the first piece of information admissions officers see. Another thing that applicants tend to do is include information from from their high school on their resume. This could suggest to an admissions officer that you've not accomplished much uh, of significance since graduating college. So this is definitely something you want to avoid. And it's also, if you're applying you know, several years out of college, it, it's, it just doesn't paint a good picture. And uh, lastly, which is it's very obvious, but everything on the resume should be very clear, concise, and obviously, above all, very accurate. Many business schools like to see your resume on one page, which means you may have to edit it down. Be sure to include your accomplishments, says Scott Strum. The stereotypical resume mistake is you list a series of you know, just job requirements and responsibilities, you know, managed this, did that, was responsible for this, but just absolutely no no accomplishments, you know, did nothing in terms of drove X dollars in revenue or achieved Y dollars in cost savings. 
you want to emphasize that. You want to show what you actually contributed to your organization. And these don't. It doesn't have to be, you know, launch day. $100 million product. You know, most MBA applicants are not going to have anything like that at all. But be very clear on, hey, I wasn't just a participant who was just showing up to work every day, but I actually made things happen. And even though a resume is just bullets, you can make a lot of that jump out from the resume by highlighting your accomplishments rather than just your responsibilities. Once you've completed your application, be sure to submit as soon as you can. Falknight says there have been stories of servers being overloaded on the night of the deadline. Once you do submit, he says, just sit back and wait. Well, it's funny because you do all this work, you spend so many months, so much time on this, and then you hit submit, and all of a sudden it's done. And I think it doesn't. It crosses every applicant's mind. What should I do now? What can I do now? And we we hear that question a lot. You know, can I show up to the admissions committee? Can I walk them through my application? <laughs> can I contact faculty? And You know, there really isn't that much you can do. I've heard some cases of of applicants who, after the application was submitted, visited the school, spent some time with faculty, and really got faculty sort of in their corner when it came to、uh, time to review the application. But that's all stuff you could have done in advance of submitting. So you definitely should have gone ahead and visited the school before then, and visited the classroom, and potentially、um, set up some time with faculty members who had similar similar interests. And the fact of the matter is, in most cases, if you do that after the application has been submitted, it's not really going to help. So unfortunately, there's not a whole lot you can do. Yeah, the best thing you can do is just sit and wait. Some schools will schedule your interview. They'll select you for an interview. A few weeks after you send in the application, a good thing to do. Once you've sent in all your applications, if you haven't already interviewed, then you can really start to focus on your interview prep, which really actually shouldn't be that difficult. Assuming you have your game plan together, you have your application story together,、uh, your your interview prep should naturally flow out of that. But in cases where you're going to interview weeks after you submit your application, then focusing on the interview once you have the applications, and that's a good use of your time. But definitely a destructive use of your time is. Contacting the admissions committee, asking them, "Did you get my transcript? Did you get my GMAT score?" That will send them off the edge. Don't definitely resist that temptation. Support for MBA Podcaster comes from Manhattan GMAT, the world's largest GMAT exclusive test preparation provider. Developed by Ivy League education professionals and continually updated to reflect current trends, Manhattan GMAT's advanced curriculum goes beyond teaching the tricks and focuses on in-depth content understanding in addition to GMAT-specific strategy. All programs are taught by highly trained and experienced instructors with GMAT scores in the 99th percentile, a 760 or better out of 800. Visit manhattangmat.com/mbapodcaster to explore programs. Options, including comprehensive nine-session courses, private tutoring, one-day workshops, and a two-week intensive boot camp. MBA podcaster listeners will receive a $100 discount on Manhattan GMAT programs by using the code Podcaster when enrolling for a complete course. Visit manhattangmat.com/mbapodcaster to enroll and receive your discount. Manhattan GMAT, the new standard in GMAT preparation. For more information, advice, and to register for your weekly MBA podcast, visit mbapodcaster dot com. I'm Janet Nakano, and this is MBA Podcaster. Be sure to join us next time. We'll learn about recruiting and how to launch your post MBA career.